Peter. I live in Minneapolis. This is a podcast that I record sometimes. Sometimes with greater frequency than others. Um, This podcast, um, this set of podcasts, hopefully, that I'm going to record with my friend Rachel, we decided that we would watch all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies in order and talk about them. Uh, We started recording this in May of 2018. So at that time, um, there are 18 movies and Ant-Man 2 is on the way. So that's going to be 19 movies. So as of right now, it stopped with Infinity War. And um, the next one up is Ant-Man. I should say that the reason I wanted to talk about all these movies is because I started off really enjoying them. I was a guy who read comics growing up. uh, And back in 2008, when this first Iron Man movie came out, um, I really liked them. And then they really started to grate on me after a while. So um, I've read comic books a lot. Rachel has not read many comics. Um, I think the reason that we want to talk about these movies is because it's going to be fun, but also because I think we can use them as like a mirror into looking at this weird time that we live in where Donald Trump is president and um, things are getting dismantled all over the place and there's a new Star Wars movie every year and there's a new Marvel MCU movie sometimes multiple times a year. It's a way different movie landscape than there was like, I don't know, like 10 years ago before, before all this stuff started. It's really, it's really odd. Times are odd. Um, and what better way to figure out what is going on in America than to look at these crazy big blockbuster movies, which apparently everybody, conservatives and liberals, Everybody goes to see these movies. So, anyway, that's um, enough preamble. Um, Coming up, Rachel and I are going to talk about the first Iron Man from 2008, directed by Jon Favreau, starring Robert Downey Jr. and Terrence Howard and the one and only Jeffrey Lebowski. Uh, Jeff Bridges. So, there you have it. Enjoy. Okay. I'm Peter. I'm Rachel. Let's talk about Iron Man from 2008. Yeah, I feel like that's timely. It's, uh... <laughs> we're, we're keeping up with the recent... Well movie <laughs> well yeah but the so the reason that I wanted to talk about it is because uh, I like having a series going and sure. we have 18 movies at this point to watch and talk about Rachel <laughs> I think that's a good series plus like the big infinity war just came out so it's kind uh-huh. of it is good timing actually and it's 
it's been 10 years since Iron Man came out. Well, yeah, and the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe thing, mm -hmm. um, that and Star Wars, I feel like are, it, those two franchises alone are what is like carrying Hollywood at this point. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's like artsy movies and like the whole Oscar business and stuff. But um, I mean, it, it seems like Disney has sort of a stranglehold on these big block blockbuster summer movies. Wouldn't you say or no? No, I'd agree with that. Um, and I'm not sure what it is about the movies that because um, they're they're sequential, but they're not necessarily all sequels to each other within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I will watch all of them. I will yeah. watch them all that, that come out. <laughs> I, I feel like, so when you and I talked about this before, I feel like the reason that I want to talk about it is uh, because I started off really enjoying these movies and with this latest slate of them, maybe starting with the second Captain America movie, I really <laughs> started to hate them. Like I really just got bored and sick of them. Um, okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk about and maybe we can like extrapolate some things about the wider, like what does this, the fact that, that, that this is essentially like one half of the um, movie industry and I know I'm I'm grossly exaggerating, but like that this is a big chunk of the movie industry at this point. Like, how does that mm -hmm. tie in to um I don't know, this whole like uh Trump takeover of America and you know, like I feel like it's all it's all just swirling around in my head and it all is like this kind of gross monster that feeds off of each other. And I used to read comic books a lot when I was a kid. So I'm sort of disturbed that I really don't care about like not, and it's not just don't care. I actively dislike the new movies. Um, okay. Yeah. But we should start with Iron Man. <laughs> we should. And uh, how do you, well, how do you feel about the, the movies in general? You said you would, you said you would watch every single one, but I would, um, I like them. Um, I think, I think too, coming from a different background with not growing up reading a lot of comics, um, I don't have the same connections to the movies. And so when I watch them, I'm only expecting fluff and that's why I watch them mm -hmm. is to go watch some really fit people jump around on the screen mm -hmm. in skin tight suits. You never read like a Marvel comic before? I have not. You've never I've, you've never read a single like Iron Man, Avengers, Captain America, Black Panther comic before? That is correct. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I've yeah. uh I came to the comics the comic game late and started with um mostly Dark Horse comics actually. Like Saga and Yeah. Chew and Rat Queens and stuff. Because you started reading them like in your 30s, right? Yeah. Okay. Like when I was younger, I would read um, collections of comic strips. Uh huh. And that was sort of my 
my comic equivalent, I guess, was reading like Dilbert and uh, Foxtrot and Calvin and Hobbes. Right. Yeah. I, um, I really got into, um, there, there were a few comic strips that I really liked. Uh, the, I remember I had mono in sixth grade and could do nothing. And that was the same time that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had a daily comic strip in the newspaper. Okay. And I remember just being, you know, I'm in seventh grade, I have no money and I can't go anywhere, but I really liked comic books and I really liked Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I had like this, I think my, my need to have like complete collections back then, like that collector syndrome was mm -hmm. higher back then. So sure. I would like cut out each individual Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic strip and paste it onto a, onto a piece of notebook paper so I could build out like a full comic book. That's amazing. <laughs> I really uh, love that. Yeah, it was pretty silly. Um, um, yeah, go yeah. ahead. I was just realizing, I think part of why I didn't really get into comics is, I guess we didn't really go to like comic stores like comic book stores. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why, like my dad grew up reading comics and he loved them. He absolutely adored comics. Um, but I spent a lot of time at the library and if they had a comic book section, I didn't know. And so mm -hmm. most of my reading was like book books or the collections of, of comic strips. And um, I also think Looking back, I had this idea that all comics were like Prince Valiant in the news in the comic section of the newspaper. <laughs> like that that's what comic books were like, were these Oh Prince like, Valiant Prince Valiant was so hard to read. Oh I couldn't God. stand it. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know when I got that idea that that's what like larger comic books were like. I don't know if I saw one and I saw the layout was more like that, like more detailed drawings. Yeah. Um, As I remember, Prince Valiant, I never read it either. And it, it seemed like it tried to pack a lot of exposition into each of the four panels. It was just like, like kind of not drawn that well. And then half of the panel was taken up with like just a bunch of words. Mm -hmm. And it was this ongoing story that was happening over like years and years and years. And like, it was before the internet, so I had no, you know, how does anybody keep up with that thing? Yeah, I don't even know who their audience base is. Yeah. Excuse me. Like, it was just, it was such a terrible comic strip. It's so bad, yeah. So, um, yeah. Okay, yeah, so so that's our, I, and I've been reading comics since I was, like, before I was 10 years old. Like, I don't know, how, I don't know how old. I started reading Captain America, and then moved to Superman and then like read a little bit of X-Men stuff, but I read a lot of Captain America comics. I had Iron Man comics when I was a kid, but I didn't really read them uh, much. Like I had a couple, I didn't collect Iron Man. Um, so, okay. Yeah. So Iron Man, this, this movie was direct, directed by John Favreau and starring um yeah who does who does it star? robert Downey jr there you go his name escaped me robert Downey <laughs> jr. and terrence howard 
and Gwyneth Paltrow and Jeff Bridges. And of course, Jeff Bridges. Mm-hmm. So um, this was the first movie in what is now being called the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, from what I understand, these first two movies, the guy who had a huge hand in making these movies was this guy named Avi Arad, who okay. sort of like cobbled together all of these all of these uh, properties that Marvel had laying around and um, was trying to piece together like a stake in the movie business. So, um, or that, that's not, that's a very poor way to put it, but we're going to talk primarily about the movie. So mm-hmm. if I tried to look up some stuff about Avi Arad and I found a few things, if you're okay. listening to this and you want to know more about it, like, do your research on your own about that. Um, and John Favreau, which is interesting, got pulled into this movie because he worked with Avi Arad on, on um, Daredevil that he made with Ben Affleck. So John Favreau was a director on Daredevil, and then they were talking about stuff, and John Favreau said, oh, you know what, I'd really like to make like Captain America or the Avengers. And then stuff swirled around and they came up with Iron Man who they, the reason they landed on Iron Man is because there had never been a live action Iron Man movie made before. Yeah. So, I was looking back at the Wikipedia article for Iron Man in other media and yeah. um, he's been in that character has been in so much stuff. I hadn't realized. It yeah. seems like the sixties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, this one interview I read with John Favreau, he said that um, he was talking to Stan Lee about this movie and Stan Lee had created Iron Man and John Favreau. No, I'm sorry. It was Robert Downey Jr. Said that Stan Lee told him he had basically created Iron Man on a dare. Like, (laughs) um, because at the time a lot of, a lot of people were into like um, counterculture stuff and comic books were primarily like anti-war sentiment. So on a mm-hmm. dare, he wanted to create a character that was this like arms dealer, super rich, like super pro-American sort of guy and make him likable for, um, for an audience. And he did and Iron Man was pretty successful, but I got the feeling, and I've listened to a couple other podcasts, like I got the feeling that when I was a kid that Iron Man was sort of a second rate. Like he wasn't his his title never got that much that much play. So it it's weird that they it's sort of weird that they came out with this movie um to like start off this whole thing. Um so anyway, let, let, me get the, let me get the plot out of the way. I'm sure okay. everybody who's listened to this, there's going to be tons of spoilers, and I'm sure everybody who's listened to this has seen this movie. If you have not, just go watch the movie. Go watch it. Um, just pause this podcast, go watch the movie, and then come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here's, here's what I wrote for the plot, and it's like eight sentences. Uh... Rich guy Tony Stark owns an arms-making business that was started by his father. 
Tony goes to Afghanistan and sees that, quote, the bad guys are using his weapons against American troops. Um, the Hummer Tony's in gets blown up in the middle of him, like, showing some arms demonstration for some weapon that he made. Um, Tony has some metal shrapnel in his body as a result, and he gets captured by the Afghan bad guys, and his friendly cellmate puts a huge magnet in his chest to prevent the shrapnel from making its way to Tony's heart. He's strapped to a car battery at this point. Um, Tony, Tony builds uh, this, like, uh, trash man, <laughs> I called it. Like, he builds this suit. Uh, that's just made out of like all the trash in his cell basically and makes a new chest piece out of some movie magic pseudoscience uh, puts it in his chest so that he doesn't have to be strapped up to a car battery the whole time. Um, so he makes this cool trash man suit and um, like wrecks all kind of all kinds of crap and like gets out of there. His cellmate friend dies in the process. Um, he goes back home, announces he, his company's not going to build weapons anymore. Jeff Bridges, who plays um, Obadiah Strain, is his like business partner. He's against that. Some turmoil happens. Pepper Potts is played by Gwyneth Paltrow. That's their love interest. Um, that I guess sort of a love interest for the movie. Um, Tony starts to make like the Iron Man suit. And then the big showdown is basically with um, Obadiah Strain, who made his own uh, Iron Man suit and uh, sort of out of the parts of the thing that was left over in the Afghan desert. There's a big battle. Tony wins. Um, and then in the stinger, in the stinger after the credits, we see Samuel L. Jackson, who's Nick Fury and... He asks him to join the Avenger Initiative. Those are the big, the big moments. Did I miss any other big moment? Um, I'd say the only thing was that um, when he went to, he had been given a prepared statement by S.H.I.E.L.D., who'd already been oh, in touch right. with Pepper Potts, um, that gave an alibi. Uh, but then he goes up there and says, actually, I'm Iron Man. Yeah, that was that was so good. That was so good. Big, big reveal. Yeah. Um, um identity. Yeah, that was so good. So, uh, let's start off with: Did you like this movie, Rachel? I did. Um, I hadn't. Ex it's been a long time since I've seen it, and I hadn't really expected it to hold up as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like it's actually incredibly timely. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like. Um, it's a good movie for right now because you have this, uh, you know, 1% guy um, who is making real changes. Mm -hmm. And um, like he was, he was pretty naive to think that his weapons weren't being also sold to just everybody. But um, he's a pretty self-involved character. So I guess it's not a real big surprise. Wait, wait, so when you say he's this 1% guy that mm -hmm. is making all these changes, who who are you saying that Iron Man, uh, why why is it timely? Why are you saying that it's timely? Um, I'm saying because 
Um, right now, there's all these tax cuts for businesses yeah. and um, all these changes being made uh, within the government that are really benefiting um, billionaires and millionaires and nobody else. And, uh, and so I think having someone see, this is where Iron Man is great for just like everybody <laughs> because he's this rich guy. So, you know, other rich people can be like, Hey, look, this, see, we're not mm -hmm. all bad. Mm -hmm. Um, but then it appeals to other folks who might say, see, this is what you should do. This man is aware of his privilege and he wants to make the world a better place because he realized that what he's been doing is bullshit. Right. Wait, let's let's hold on to that sentiment because I want to come back to it. There's okay. a there's a question. I have so many questions I wrote up. Um, okay. But yeah, so so what what did you like about the movie? Um, it's it's kind of your classic superhero movie. Um, I feel like his origin story is it's simple, um, but good. Mm -hmm. Um. It just, it was nice to watch a really uncomplicated movie. <laughs> yeah. Because the, the movies have, have gotten progressively more complex, I think. The, the story. In the, in the yeah. Yeah. I, I like, agree. There's like one main person and you see his, his you know, his personal journey very clearly. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a great motivation for doing... Um, you know, trying to do good, realizing that um, he can't he can't turn a blind eye anymore. Yeah, and I think I think that's what I like. It's not just like, oh, I need to start being better. It's like, oh, I need to start like giving a shit about my fellow humans. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in one of the things that I read, they said that that's why uh, John Favreau said that's why he liked Robert Downey Jr. for this part because yeah. previous. <laughs> Previous to all of this, like Robert Downey Jr. had his own like crazy struggles in his twenties with drugs and, every, oh, that's and everything right, yeah. else. And this so, was, what's that? Was this kind of his? It wasn't really his comeback. No, he had made like um, he was in Kiss Kiss Bang made, Bang. Yeah, he was in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He was in Chaplin, which he got a lot of acclaim for. Oh yeah. Um, but. I think it, I wouldn't call this his like main comeback. I think he was also in um, Zodiac came out before this. Okay. Uh, and that was that David Fincher movie about, about um, that serial killer, which got a lot of acclaim too. Uh, so I don't think it was his comeback, but it certainly, I think um, put him, put him, it, it was a huge like, if if the other stuff was his comeback, this was like his apex, you know. Yeah, um, it's it's what made him. It really helped his image. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, that's not what I wanted. Um, I'm trying to bring up his filmography real quick. Sure. And my dog is whining right next to me. Shush, buddy. <laughs> yeah, ninety-two. He made champ. Chaplin, 93, he made some movie called Heart and Souls. Natural Born Killers he was in, which was a pretty big movie. Uh, uh, U.S. Marshals was the, was the sequel to um, 
Fugitive, and that was pretty big. So he's like progressively getting like better roles. He was in Wonder Boys, which wasn't it wasn't a great movie, but he was in that with Michael Douglas. That was pretty good. Uh, 2003, he w- was in that Charlie Chaplin movie, and I think he won and he won some kind of like crazy award for that. Um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, 2005. Good Night and Good Luck he was in, which was another pretty artsy movie. Zodiac he was in right in 2007. And that was a that was a big movie. And he and he like kind of showed his acting chops off in that. And then a couple of other movies, and then yeah, bam, he's in Iron Man in 2008. Um so uh I liked this movie way more than I remembered liking this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like for the reasons that you said, it's I think John Favreau knows how to make like uh I think he knows how to make movies. I think he knows how to show people. Mm-hmm. And the the way it was shot also, it it avoided some of the like huge um some of like the huge shots that I can't stand in the new Marvel movies where everybody on the screen takes up maybe like one-tenth of the screen and there are these huge battles where people are sort of flying into each other and it's a it's either a long shot or a medium shot and Mm -hmm. it nothing really happens other than like somebody punches another person and they go flying like there's no there's no comedy or like meat to the to the scenes whereas Mm -hmm. this movie like him building the suit in that cell him building like his trash man suit was like super cool yeah and he's like banging on like it's just visually looks really cool him like using all these tools and banging on things and the shot itself is i feel like is a lot closer than what they are in the new marvel movies i think sure yeah Um, i would agree with that yeah, and the the colors it didn't get into that overly like blue hued uh, color scheme that mm-hmm. happens. I think I think it starts to happen in in the second Captain America movie, um, which I can't stand. And um, the banter was really good. And I read that uh, the reason the banter in the movie is so good is because it's largely they didn't have the script written the day that they were shooting it. So Tony uh, or Robert Downey Jr. and Jeff Bridges would improvise a lot of their lines like the day of. Mm -hmm. Um, And it feels a little like a seventies movie because in, in seventies movies, people talk over each other a lot and it feels like more naturalistic dialogue. And that happened a few points in this movie. Um, Uh, Let's see. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot better because it just felt like a better superhero movie. Where it started to lose me was the very last part with the fight. Like I didn't really care about it. I didn't really care about the fight. Like, yeah, something's gonna happen. He's gonna win. We know that's like we know that. You know. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, and um, Obadiah's character, he's. He's, he was an okay bad guy. Yeah. Um, I didn't really well, care a lot about him as a bad guy. No. In a, like, if, if they did not have Jeff Bridges, 
playing that villain, like I wouldn't have given any shits about that guy at all. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But um, it was really cool to see Jeff Bridges as a as a villain. I I can't remember <laughs> a movie that I've seen him as a villain in. Yeah, I can't either. Yeah, usually he plays such like affable people. Yeah. Um, I liked. Uh, there's this one particular scene where he has his arm like around Tony. Yeah. And um, so I don't remember if that's the scene where he is the one that where he tells Tony that he's the one that filed the injunction. Yeah, yeah. And uh-huh. he has his, his arm, and it made me uncomfortable because it is his hand isn't still on Tony's shoulders, like, wrapped around, but his, his whole arm is, like, kind of moving. Right. Because that's people naturally gesture, and so it actually takes focus to, like, hold your hand still. Yeah. When you're not used to gesturing, and, it, and that's what it looked like, but it it's that kind of intensity where like you can't keep your arms still that translated unexpectedly well in that scene. And it actually made me uncomfortable. Like if someone had been touching me that way, I just would stop. (laughs) Well, yeah. And Jeff Jeff Bridges himself um, is, is such an affable person. And I feel like he, I feel like he's used to, um, I feel like he's used to like getting along with people and being like mm-hmm. likable. So sure. he kind of knows how to how to do that. I'm laughing because my dog is still whining right next to me and it's very <laughs> hard for me to finish a thought. Stop, buddy. Buddy, I gotta do this. Zobi? Do you wanna give him a snack or something? Yeah. Um Yeah. Yes, uh, in one second. Yeah, I think sure. my, my point is about the Jeff Bridges thing is I've I have met dudes in life who are used to charming people, even mm-hmm. in the midst of manipulating the hell out of them. Sure. Um, and that little arm movement thing that you said like totally conveys that. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, one second. I'm gonna give him a treat and. Okay. We'll edit this part out. Okay. One second. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, let me say the 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 banter with the um, the journalist lady, mm-hmm. like before they sleep together or whatever. That's mm-hmm. really good. It's like super good dialogue. The pepper the the dialogue with him and Pepper is really good. Um. Uh, okay, I have a bunch, oh, yeah, and I already said what I didn't really like. Really, the only thing movie-making-wise I didn't care for about this movie mm-hmm. was um, just the end. Like, I don't, they're going to bash into each other and something's going to happen. Like, I, you know, right. I, didn't, I didn't really like that. Uh, I the entire narrative, like if we're trying to pull this apart and see what it's suggesting, mm-hmm. the entire narrative sort of feels like uh, it's like justification for like quote moral force, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, these are the bad guys. 
these Afghans are fighting the Americans. That makes them evil. Uh, it just felt like, you know, it, it, sort of pandering to the right a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, yeah, I didn't really like that like message of the movie. And sure. what, what's weird to me is like Jeff Bridges making a movie where that's kind of the message and like Robert Downey Jr. making a movie where that's sort of the, the message too, you know? Um, I guess I sort of lump those guys into being, into being like more liberals, but it just, it kind of felt like, it kind of felt like I bet, I bet conservatives watch this movie and this is the way they think of themselves. Sure, they don't see themselves as the Obadiah. They all see themselves as the Tony Stark. Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, it's interesting too when you think about the timing of it. It came out in two thousand eight, mm -hmm. uh, when the recession hit. And um, when did it come out in the year? Do you May second. It came out in May second. Okay, yeah. so it came out before like the big stuff happened. Um, I'm not sure. Well, I guess things were like in a downward trend. It was really more, uh, it was in the fall of 2008 when things were at there. We're heading towards real bad. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, but things were headed in that direction. And um, we had a Republican president. And uh, no, not, not then, not in 2008. Did oh, we? that's right. Uh, yeah. Well, no. yeah, because, well, voting happened. In, let's see when. Yeah, yeah. Oh. When that came out, because we oh, didn't get, yeah. we didn't get Obama until. Um, right, because the, the vote was happening then. That's right. Yep. Um. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm always curious, like, to what degree that that plays a part, like the current political climate when when things are getting made. Yeah. Right. Um, um, I, I have so many, I have so many like, just like one-off questions, but I want to, okay. I want to wrap up the, the section of what we didn't like. Um, oh, uh, actually one quick thing. The thing I wanted to mention about stuff that I did like about the movie mm -hmm. um, is I tend to really enjoy the imperfect hero. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of why it took me a really long time to get on board with Captain America. Like I did not, mm -hmm. I was not into Captain America right away. Um, but Tony Stark is clearly flawed. <laughs> so oh, yeah. very clearly flawed as a, a human being. Um, but is like trying his best. And I, I really like that in a superhero movie. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. And, and I don't, I don't dislike Tony Stark because he's a rich guy. Like right. that's, that's not why I dislike him. I, I, I don't dislike him. I don't dislike this movie because of Tony Stark. Overall, I like this movie. Mm -hmm. I dislike it when I start thinking about like, oh, this feels kind of gross. If I were, I can just picture some conservative like bro watching this movie and just clapping himself on the back. Right. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and this movie, 
it so it opened it made uh 98 million dollars opening weekend um it was going up against made of honor which i think is like a hugh grant movie or something red belt okay. which i have no idea and this movie called Son of Rambo, R-A-M-B-O-W. Uh, so it was number one in the box office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, the second place that weekend was Made of Honor, and it made like $46 million. Yeah, I don't even remember yeah. that movie. What's interesting is that three weeks later, The Incredible Hulk came out. Is that the one with um, Edward Norton? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. I have so many. I have so many of these like one-off questions. Okay. Go okay. For it. Re- okay. Ready. Easiest one. Did this pass the Bechdel test? Uh, no. And for listeners who don't know what the Bechdel test is, uh, let me Google it so I get it right. The Bechdel test is created by Alison Bechdel. Um, uh, the movie has to have at least two women in it. It did. Who talk to each other. Mm, I don't think two women ever talk to each other in this movie. No. And the third criteria is they talk to each other about something... Uh, besides, uh, other than uh, a man. So, I'm pretty sure all Pepper Pods ever talked about was Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, fails there. All right. Um, so, that's not great. And I think, I, while Pepper is a, the portrayal of women in this movie, like, Pepper is portrayed as super capable that journalist is portrayed as super capable Mm -hmm. but they're both i think sort of just portrayed as like like you said like something for them to talk about like something for tony to interact with right i don't know is that what you felt how did you feel yeah i like i like pepper um i like her as a character i think and it, it's funny, I remember being much more enamored with Gwyneth Paltrow at the time. Mm-hmm, me too. Yeah. Um, but the shine has definitely come off since she's like, she has this like weird collection of um, how-to books. and. Oh, does she? Yeah, it's like how to, she has like all these recipe books and she tells herself is this like she's just like a stay-at-home mom like any other mom and it's easy to do all these things oh, you know right. when you have a nanny and a chef and a personal trainer <laughs> right and yeah she recommends like shoving jade eggs up your hoo-ha and it's oh that's her yeah that's right I, for some reason i get her and um uh who's the anti super anti-vaxxer oh um apple mccarthy no, she named her daughter Apple. Oh, uh. What is that person's name? Um. I'm Googling Apple, famous lady child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who is that? Uh. No, that was Gwen- that's Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. That's Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, but um, I like Pepper Potts. She's she's very capable. And um, also, this came out in a time when movies didn't have to be as like dark to keep mm. up. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like there's a, a scene where where she where Pepper has just downloaded information from Tony's computer, mm-hmm. and Obadiah catches her. And as she's leaving, it's clear that he knows what's up, right? Right. Um, if that movie had been made now, I think that scene would have gotten violent immediately. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. But he lets her go, and he just like fumes and plans. Mm-hmm. And like later, he uses her as bait or whatever. But um, it, you think it would have even even being a Marvel movie and like trying to maintain um, their PG thirteen ness and like sort of they got they got a they got a they got to get butts in the seats and like 12 year olds are going to see these movies you know yeah i mean i don't know that it would have gotten like real intense violence like he's not gonna like stab her yeah. or anything but yeah. um i think he would have been much more menacing mm-hmm. i think it would have been a little more intense because for a pg-13 movie it's pretty tame mm-hmm. yeah like compared to what is now on PG-13 movies. You think even compared to the Marvel PG-13 movies? I do. Hmm. Okay. All right. So, uh, oh, and feel free to chime in if you have your own weird, weird questions. Okay. That was not a weird question. That was not a weird question, but they're about to get weird. Okay. Uh, how about that weird phone? I think a shout out <laughs> needs to go out to that weird phone. <laughs> the weird phone, the the thing that Tony uses in like, it's like oh yeah, his like remote control bar. Yeah, it's like it's like it's a phone, and then he like flips it up, and then the screen turns kind of sideways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so weird to see a phone from two thousand eight. Um, uh, I'm just looking up when the iPhone came out. You know, like it had oh. a keypad and everything. Yeah, it was just so that was great. That was the other thing when they're in the um, when they're in the the Humvee near the beginning, and the guy's like, "Hey, can I take your picture?" I'm expecting him to take out his phone and take a picture, but he takes out a camera. Yeah, yeah. I'm oh, like, and, who? And he also says, "Don't put this on your MySpace page." Yeah. In yep. 2008, like yeah. I guess 2007 is when uh, is when um, MySpace or I'm sorry, Facebook kind of took off. And I guess the iPhone, the first iPhone was released the previous year. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and it says iPhone OS 1.0, June 29th, 2007. So the iPhone 3G wasn't released until April, May, June, July, two months after Iron Man came out. So the iPhone was still sort of this thing that hadn't caught on. Sure. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah. So the weird phone. Do you want me to keep going? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, let's see. How would the movie... Okay, I have like a multi-part question. Would the movie have been way cooler if his cellmate dude didn't die? Like... Instead of playing the sacrificial, like, non-American part, what if he 
didn't die and just came back with Tony. What do you think? Um, I think that would have been a lot cooler. And I think it would have been more dramatic if he died later. Yeah. You know, like yeah. he makes it all this yeah. way. And he like helps Tony with his suit. Cause I would have liked, um, I know Jarvis plays a, a, a good sort of, um, yeah. Uh, second role in that, but it would have been really great for there to be a lot of like banter about the suit that wasn't directed at like the fire extinguishing robot. Right. And it would have been weird to see that guy who is so like un-American and un-one-percenty to be like in Iron Man's mansion. Yes. <laughs> you know, like that would have been really cool. Um, also, would it have been a cooler movie if Tony Stark died and that guy was Iron Man? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been interesting. <laughs> like, well, I, I think that would have been cool. I think it would have thrown people for a loop. Um, and then Marvel would probably be like, there's absolutely no way we can sustain this guy as being Iron Man for, no. for tw 20 years or whatever. Like Tony Stark would have somehow come back from the dead or something. Yeah, something would have happened. And if, and if they were planning to do that, they would have had maybe like a buffer non-American dude play that guy. Right. You know? Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I agree. Like that guy got killed off way too soon. Uh, let's see. Oh, and my dog is still doing that. That's why I keep pausing. Like that's okay. He's you're fine. You're fine, buddy. Um, and I don't think we really needed that flashback. Like it starts with it starts with the him in the action, you know, and then it goes three weeks later or three weeks earlier. And then brings us sure. up to speed. That that first three weeks was compelling. We didn't. It really didn't need to start off in the Humvee. I think. Yeah, I think it. It. I think it actually would have worked better if they just had it chronologically, because then, because then you care more about Tony too. Like you actually care yeah. about about Tony, and you you get to see a bigger change as opposed to him starting the movie kind of as um, starting the movie woke, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Um, I think showing him start as a playboy where you just, you know, you maybe don't like him a whole lot <laughs> yeah. at the beginning. Um, I think that would have been really great. And the dialogue's super clever there. Like it would have, it's, it was so good. It was so. I feel like the Marvel movies are not nearly that clever now. It was so. The just the dialogue was so clever. Like, yeah, I didn't think they needed it. Um, okay, here's a big one. Here's a, here's okay. a big one. Mm -hmm. I'm ready. ready. Yep. Okay. Does Tony Stark talk like? Donald Trump thinks he talks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and here two two examples. All right, mm -hmm. I'm just gonna read this. Yep. Quote: I know that it's confusing. It is one thing to question the official story, and another thing entirely to make wild accusations or insinuate that I'm a superhero. Like. 
come on, Donald Trump totally thinks he talks like that. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, of course, that line to Pepper. Well, you look great. You smell great. I could fire you if that would take the edge off. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Donald Trump thinks he's as charming as Tony Stark. Yeah, I do too. I think I I think Donald Trump watches this movie and is like, "See, I'm the best. I'm Tony Stark." Oh man, Donald Trump totally thinks that he could invent the Iron Man suit if he wanted. He just doesn't want to. But it's it, it right, and it's totally his plot. Like he thinks, like you know how like Tony's going sort of off book and and like going rogue on some things. Mm -hmm. uh, like that's totally what he thinks he's doing. He thinks he's right. like, yeah, I'm just surpassing all these things and cutting through this red tape. Um, yeah, I might have to pause again because my dog is freaking out. Okay. Bam back. Sorry. Yeah. Tony is totally like Donald Trump's ideal. Uh, should I keep going with the questions? Yeah. How in the world did they get Jeff Bridges to ride on a Segway? <laughs> I thought about that too. Like, why, why didn't he just walk up or like come out of a car? You know, he's a pretty silly dude. Like on, on um, the Big Lebowski, like a lot of those clothes were his clothes. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, like those those weird on the Big Lebowski. He wears like these weird clear jelly slipper things, and mm -hmm. those are his. Those are Jeff Bridges. Bridges. Okay. Ones. Yeah. So. Um, Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe just to add some humor to his character. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was weird. Um, okay. So, what, here's a question for you, Rachel. Okay. What TV, what I would say very popular today TV show does Iron Man have a, the, this movie have a direct connection to? Um, are you talking like outside of Marvel? TV shows? Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's it's not in the storytelling, obviously, because it's not a Marvel TV show. So it's got... Um, I don't know. So the way that they arrived at the screenplay, mm -hmm. they had two competing screenplays. One was written by these two dudes who whose names I don't really remember, but the other screenplay was written by Mark Fergus and Hawk Ostby, okay, who wrote um, the screenplay for Children of Men. Oh, okay, really good. Um, and they are the creators and the executive producers for The Expanse. Oh, yeah. I keep, keep meaning to watch that. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's a little too like it gets a little too in the weeds for me, but um, it's a good show. And you know, just got saved from being doomed by Jeff Bezos or however you pronounce his name because he's a big Expanse fan. So he basically just bought it so he could watch, continue to watch more Expanse. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. And, uh, okay, here's another question. I think this mm -hmm. is my last weird question that I have. Okay. Yeah, this last one I have written down. All right. Somebody, an actor is in Iron Man. Mm -hmm. This actor, after being in that movie, got his doctorate in chemical engineering, like went back to school and got his doctorate in chemical engineering, and then started his own company that grows, <laughs> these were his words, that grows diamonds. And uh, it's going to be like, according to him, the next big thing that is like powering computers and uses it apparently for jewelry and stuff. So who was that? Huh. Who was that? Um, it's someone in the movie. Yep. Um, is it his like military buddy? Yep. Sure is. Terrence oh. Howard. Yeah. Yep. Huh. And because you notice that's Rhodey, right? And Rhodey is replaced by Don Cheadle in the later movies. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Or, or Terrence Howard is replaced. Sorry, yeah. Terrence Howard's replaced by Don Cheadle in the later movies. And apparently there was some like big, like Terrence Howard, some something having to do with the the contract that he signed, which was like a one-sided contract where it said that he would make $8 million for Iron Man 2. And Marvel basically just said, yeah, that's for like your benefit, not ours. We're not going to pay you that. We'll pay you a million dollars. And he said no. And then they went with Don Cheadle, who apparently was the first choice anyway. Like they wanted Don Cheadle for that role from the beginning. What's funny is I didn't remember them being the same character. <laughs> yeah, they don't act the same. Because they're so, they play the character so differently. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who hmm. do you think is better at it? Um, I like Don Cheadle. I, I feel like, I, I, I need, well, I guess I'll reserve judgment until Iron Man 2. Because I really like, I like some aspects of Terrence Howard's performance in this movie mm -hmm. uh but they don't give him much to do either yeah i that's that's fair i think um i don't know i'm just i'm also just a don Cheadle fan in general yeah. Yeah. um so that's probably coloring it but uh yeah he doesn't have a real big role and his his role isn't really fleshed out until the later movies so i guess it's not really yeah. super fair to compare I want to see how I want to when we rewatch when we watch uh, Iron Man two. I want to see how Don Cheadle does because I like I really like John Favreau's directing and like writing and stuff in this. So I wonder if I'll if I'll like Iron Man two more than I remember liking it. Yeah, because I don't remember being super into it. Yeah. Um. Let's see. <laughs> Um, I did have one, my own weird thought. I didn't have a list of questions, but um, something that had occurred to me when mm -hmm. I watched it. Mm -hmm. Just because it's it's such a different kind of role for Jeff Bridges. Yeah. That this is like alternate reality. Yeah, yeah. That uh, was, I had that. The dude. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. We, we both said, whose alternate reality is this, right? 
Right, yeah. So if it's the dudes, uh, like if we follow, if we follow Jeff Bridges after, let me, let me pull that up. Jeff Bridges. Uh, when the dude stopped abiding, <laughs> this is what happened to him. Right. So uh, 98, he's in Big Lebowski. So if we follow that character, right? He's in Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. And then the dude goes to Arlington Road, which is this like thriller sort of analogous to like um, the Unabomber. Like it sure. turns out he figures out the, the guy living next door to him is the Unabomber, basically. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen any of these. The Muse, Simpatico, The Contender, Scenes of the Crime. I don't know any of that stuff. Mass Anonymous. 2003, he's in Seabiscuit. So the dude oh, yeah. lives, ne- lives next door to the Unabomber, and then he starts training horses. <laughs> uh-huh. And then he's in this really weird movie that I liked a lot called The Door and the Floor, where basically he plays like, um, what's that guy's name? Maurice Sindak? Is that who wrote uh, Where the Wild Things Are? Yes. So he basically plays like a, a type like that guy where he writes these children's stories, which a bunch of hipsters really get into and like dig into all these meanings. So it works on these multi-level things. So he's a children's author who writes these like dark and weird stories that hipsters also like. Okay. So the, so the dude, just to recap, the dude... Uh, lives next to the Unabomber, then he goes to train horses, then he becomes a children's author, and then he makes Amateurs, Tideland, Stick It, Surf's Up, I don't know any of those. And then he's an Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he becomes... So maybe he made all... The dude, after he made some money off of training horses and Seabiscuit, and then became this children's author and made a little more money and then invested it all in this arms dealership somehow and buzzed his head. Yeah, he'd been he'd been friends with Tony Stark's dad uh this whole time. Right. As it as it turned out. Um and he just didn't want to tell anyone that his real name is Obadiah. Right. Right. Obadiah, mm-hmm. he cha- yeah, he changes his name. Yeah, that that was the dude's name all along. It wasn't Jeffrey Lebowski, right? It was Obadiah, right? Okay, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then I was also thinking. I mean, the you could do that with all the characters, like um, Mike from Swingers. So that's John Favreau, Mike from okay. Swingers. He moves to Hollywood in Swingers and he's like in his 20s and meets Vince Vaughn and they're trying to be like comedians and actors and stuff. <laughs> and then uh, John Favreau's in The Elf. I mean, it's meant, there's, there's a lot of stuff in between there, but let's just skip forward to The Elf. Sure. He's a doctor in Elf. And that, that's also, he directed that. And then he becomes Happy Hogan Iron Man's limo driver. So. Yeah. 
Mike from Swingers. That's his. That's his uh, chronology. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, and, oh, there was one. There was one more segment that we wanted to do. I don't know if you were able to do this. Can we do the reviews from our parents segment? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you got okay. Do, who wants to go first? Um, I'll read you what my dad said. So okay. my mom. My mom mostly just like really liked the movie. Um, she said that Iron Man has like classic superhero qualities and great like high tech gadgets for like a fun movie. Um, my dad said, um, for one thing, the song Iron Man came out in 1970. The movie Iron Man, the movie Iron Man came out in 2008. It is the best ever marriage of song and movie. I think that's accurate. I like, mm -hmm. I like those. So, uh, yeah. And your parents are like in their 60s, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think my dad is 60. He's 30 years older than me. So he's going to be 69 tomorrow, okay. I guess. Oh. Happy birthday, Peter's dad. Yeah. Um, so the dad said, yeah, it was excellent. The thing about all the Iron Man movies is it's more about Tony Stark and less about the suit. I really thought they were all excellent. And then I was like, yeah, well, we're going to do this segment where we quote our parents. And, and so then uh, the dad says, definitely quote me. The Avengers without Tony Stark would not be nearly as good. I'm referring to the first one, not the Ultron disaster. Did you see the actor? And this is all same. <laughs> Did you see the actor playing solo in the movie? He looks nothing like Sarah, like Harrison Ford. With all the tech available, you would think that they would take Ford's picture, retro it to say 25, and put out the call for similar young actors with similar characteristics. But no, more bad casting. I was really a, a little excited about seeing the movie because Solo is my fa favorite character. But no, they cast some guy that in my opinion, who looks like David Hasselhoff loves. <laughs> like that's that's the sign off. That's really from, great. From the parental um oh I found another thing that my dad had to say. Oh okay. Um <laughs> there are some movies that I would like to see again for the first time. Like Star Wars episode four or SpongeBob SquarePants episode one. <laughs> the first Iron Man is one of those movies. That's awesome that he includes this SpongeBob movie in there. It's <laughs> the the TV because. Oh, okay, okay. It's it's funny. SpongeBob is something that we talk about sometimes at home. Ah, interesting, <laughs> like folks. Like I don't watch it anymore. My parents don't watch it. But when it first came out, it was pretty novel, and um, I watched the first episode and like at the commercial break, I went and got my dad. Cause I was like, you have to finish watching this with me. This is going to be really big. Oh, that's interesting. Huh? And, um, cause it was like so absurd and stupid, but like, yeah, like the specific kind of stupid that will make me giggle like an idiot. Yeah. So like I had a SpongeBob SquarePants, uh, graduation cake. Oh, I didn't know that. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's the uh, that's uh, the texts from our parents' reviews. Um, 
Yeah, overall, I thought it was it was a lot better than I remember it being. I like it a whole yeah. lot more than these other ones. But um, yeah, you have any any final thoughts? Um, I think what your dad said is pretty accurate about it being about the um, person and not the suit. Right. And um, I really I like that the focus on Tony Stark and even as like. He's making the suit, and the suit is changing, and the suit's getting cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always about his process and his willingness to um, just sort of fling himself into whatever comes next. Mm-hmm. And I think it um, that's something that's really interesting to watch over the course of all the Marvel movies is Tony Stark's growth mm-hmm. as a person and him going from being incredibly reckless to be, to making more um taking more thoughtful risks mm-hmm. later on in movies like mm-hmm. he's he's always a little reckless that's just that's his character is always going to be a little reckless but he becomes much less so later on especially um uh we'll get this get to this later but we see it come up more in civil war when he sort of takes young spider-man under his wing anyway right um i thought so. the the one thing i forgot to mention before is that they changed iron man's character pretty significantly from the comics in that um that whole like shrapnel device thing in his chest like that as far as i know that was for this movie okay um that wasn't part of, that was not, definitely not part of the original character for Iron Man. Like he was just a rich guy. Who just made a suit? Yeah, he just made a suit. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. like the, the was the arc reactor part of it in the comics? Not that, not the original ones. It may okay. have, like this latest slate, the whole MCU from what I understand is, is has a lot to do with this, series called the ultimates that marvel released um it's called the ultimates and it was written by this guy mark millar i believe let me check on that mark yeah mark millar um and the ultimates was it what what it was doing was it was updating a lot of these stories to be a little bit more compelling um sure so like you didn't have to read you didn't have to have been reading iron man since 1960 or like know the history of captain america since 1940 he condensed all of the avengers and sort of like updated them a bit and made them a little more raw and real and all you had to do was buy the ultimates like and you could read the story and it was it was basically the avengers what I I can see a lot of corollaries in between the two. Okay. So, um Oh. Yeah. Uh Actually, I take it back. I have read a couple Marvel comics. Mm, okay. Um Guardians of the Galaxy. I started to read those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When the Guardians movie first came out. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's that's the other thing I think I like about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that you don't like reading the comics adds to it, mm-hmm. but it's not a requirement. And so you can have people that are new to it able to enjoy it. Um, you know, gatekeepers aside, 
yeah. you have um, a way for people to enjoy it. Because there's just, there's so much to read. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you could spend the rest of your lifetime, I'm sure, like reading, catching up on Marvel comics. Yeah, and, and that's, it's funny that it's different from Star Wars because like Star Wars, they it, people are so protective when they when they ditched the expanded universe for Star Wars and mm-hmm. said like all of the books aren't canon anymore and everybody got really upset. Like mm-hmm. it, Marvel's just been around for so long and there's so many different interpretations of these characters. Like when the Marvel movies came out, nobody expected like oh no, you got to follow all the timelines. Uh, because they've been rebooted and restarted and people have died and come back and stuff. It's like they just sort of accept that that there are two sort of like cycle realities, you know, going sure, on. Stuff, stuff will change and continue to change. Because like even, like you said, even within Marvel itself, they've they've made changes and they've done a bunch of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Okay, oh, and so the next movie we have to watch... Mm-hmm. We gotta watch. It came out two months after this, so we have to watch that Edward Norton Hulk movie because we're gonna watch these things in order. Okay. The Edward Norton Hulk movie, not the Ang Lee directed. Uh, I forget who's even in that. Eric Bana, I think. Bana, Bana. And the other uh, one. Yeah. Yeah, Eric Bana. Yeah. So yeah, we gotta I- watch. You gotta watch that Incredible Hulk movie because it's—I think it's technically still part of the MCU. Okay, but the, um, yeah, that was two thousand three. The other one. Yeah, not that one. Okay. Uh, um, with Eric Bana and Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, it's the um, sec- yeah, and that's listed as part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, Stephanie. that's really interesting that um the other Hulk and that Iron Man are considered part of the Marvel cinematic universe, even though daredevil is from a Marvel comic. Yeah. Well, and the, that came out in 2003. Well, the, the reason that's not considered part of the MCU is because it was released by, from what I understand, like the definition from what I understand of the Marvel cin- cinematic universe is because they're independently produced by Marvel studios. And, oh, gotcha. And they would, Marvel would uh, license these things out. Uh, so, like they, they, I'm looking, I'm looking it up real quick. 20th Century Fox and Columbia Pictures uh, began the development, but then oh. New Regency acquired the rights to Daredevil in 2000. So, Marvel movie studios or whatever it's called um was it's not in the same universe sure yeah yeah i uh, i found a list of all non mcu marvel movies yeah i i guess in my head like all of them came after iron man and all of them have been included but there's a bunch that i didn't realize like the fantastic four Yep. There was a there was a Captain America that came out in 1990 yep. and was yep. terrible. Yep. Howard yeah. the Duck. David Punisher. David Hasselhoff was the from what I can remember the first um Nick Fury, which was a daytime TV. <laughs> it was like a daytime TV movie. Whoa. Yeah. Uh and 
I remember watching that movie on tape the day that I got my wisdom teeth taken out and the pain meds did not agree <laughs> with me. And I wound up puking all over myself and all over the couch and nobody was at oh, home no. and I had to like crawl oh. into the bathroom and like wash the vomit off of myself as oh. I'm watching this Nick Fury, David Hasselhoff movie. Yeah. Good time. That's really terrible. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like some real cherished memories. Yeah. Um, All right. I think, I think we got I think we're wrapping it up unless you had something, yeah. a burning thing to say. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, I was just getting distracted about all the non-MCU movies. Oh, okay. That would be an interesting, like, follow-up series. Whoa, God, I don't think I could do it. I can't watch. I, you don't want to watch all the I, million, like, Fantastic Four movies? Uh-uh, uh-uh. no. <laughs> we have 18 uh, to watch, Rachel. We have 18. We do. That We're is a lot. One, one eighteenth of the way through. Ta-da! <laughs> okay. All right, good job. Okay. All right, high okay. five. High five. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, it's Peter one last time. Uh, thanks for listening. Tell me what you think about this podcast. Um, you can send me an email at mpls.podcast at gmail.com. That's like Minneapolis, but shortened. mpls.podcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, shoot me an email and, um, tell me your comments about Iron Man or, uh, for the upcoming one, we're doing, um, that Incredible Hulk movie or really any Marvel movie, any Marvel movie. If you want to chime in, um, send me an email at that, uh, Gmail address and we'll probably read whatever you have to say on the podcast. So. Anyway, thanks again. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.